Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. I'm very excited about the show today. I feel like I'm saying this every week, but obviously I choose the topics that I find exciting. So today we're going to talk about chronic illness and its impact in our sexuality. This has been an episode that I wanted to have for a while now, but it's hard to find an expert that that is uh, knowledgeable in working with chronic illness and also uh, sexual dysfunction. That's why I'm super excited to have Dr. Melvin Lee Phillips in our show. So as we talked about it in this show that you're going to listen and hear about it in our episode, chronic illness could be a number of different things. It could be chronic pain. It could be acute psychological challenges or it could be medical illnesses like diabetes, blood pressure that's unmanaged. There could be a number of different things, MS, a loss of neurological challenges. In this episode, we're mostly going to focus on medical illnesses. I'm developing this library of kind of impact of psychological diseases and disorders such as depression, anxiety, OCD in my bonus episode. So, so far we have one in OCD and sexuality and one in depression and sexuality in the bonus episodes. So if you want to check those out, you can go to our show notes and click on those episodes to hear them up. I recorded, I think so far, 12 mental health illnesses and impact on sexuality. So make sure you're signing up for the newsletter to learn more about them. But as I shared with you guys, our focus today is going to be most on chronic illnesses with Dr. Melvin Phillips. Dr. Phillips is a licensed clinical social worker in Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Dr. Phillips has worked in several mental health and substance abuse treatment settings including outpatient community mental health, inpatient treatment, and private practice for past 13 years. He holds a doctoral education degree in organizational leadership with an emphasis in behavioral health from Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona. In addition, Dr. Phillips holds a Master of Social Work degree from Norfolk State University, I hope I'm saying it right, and adjacent professor in Master of Social Work program with the School of Social Work at Western New Mexico University. Dr. Phillips currently is in private practice in Washington, D.C., where he treats chronic illness and sexual dysfunction. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Melvin Lee Phillips. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to have Dr. Melvin Phillips on our show. Dr. Melvin, welcome to our show. Thank you. Happy to be here. I am so excited for this conversation because I feel we covered many different topics in past three years, but chronic illness and sexuality, unfortunately, is one of the struggles that I see a lot in my clients and even the clients who are not sex therapy clients, and we haven't talked about it yet. So we're, I am very excited to have you here today. 
Me too. I, I agree with you. I think it's a needed conversation to have. And it comes up in my office all the time. You know, as a psychotherapist who specializes in treating chronic illness and pain, but also sexuality. Well, first of all, I wanted to say what a challenging population to work with. I, I started with in the field of sexual, not sexual addiction medicine, and I was I used to work at a methadone clinic, and I used to see tons of chronic pain clients, and I have lots of compassion for them. But I think if you're a therapist that, that you have a caseload full of people who are struggling with chronic pain, that can be challenging. Oh, it's very challenging. I was a psychotherapist in substance abuse treatment for seven years. And I had quite a few clients that suffered from, you know, chronic illness because of an addiction that caused a significant medical issue or a chronic pain condition that they had. And then I went on to work as a geriatric psychotherapist and had quite a few people on my caseload that had chronic illness and chronic pain. And that's really where my passion came from to really help others that suffer from chronic illness. You know, I think psychotherapy is now becoming the cutting edge treatment for chronic pain. You know, it's absolutely. And I think you're right because I feel like, so I have like lots of friends and relative in medical field and my understanding that again, we have this opioid crisis right now and many people with chronic illness and chronic pain, they are kind of like hooked on this medication. And I, I, I'm glad to see that insurances and managed care this, these times, they're acknowledging the role of psychotherapists as a integral part of the management team and treatment team. So I'm glad that there are people like you that are specializing in this work. But I wanted to kind of like start with talking about, since we're going to focus on chronic illness, tell us when you say chronic illness, what do you refer to? Well, with chronic illness, you know, it can be illnesses that are caused by diabetes, uh, heart and vascular diseases, neurological and autoimmune diseases. Those are the type of chronic illnesses that I will see in my office usually. However, sometimes I may have a client that may have a chronic illness due to many years of using, so substance use. But that's what I usually see in my office. And what's interesting is that, you know, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, chronic diseases, it affects about 133 million Americans right now, representing 40% of the population of this country. And by 2020, that number is projected to be estimated 157 million with 81 million people having multiple conditions. So they may have diabetes, they may may have heart disease, but they have something else like chronic depression. Mm -hmm. And I also consider that a chronic illness, someone that comes in with a you know, significant mental illness. And so those are the types of chronic illnesses that I see in my office. But mainly I see a lot of people that have like autoimmune diseases where they have gone to a rheumatologist and that's how they've received that diagnosis. So I know that based on my experience in my practice that usually individuals who are struggling with chronic illness, they have like, they also struggles with some sexual challenges, at least the clients that I see. So can you help us understand that how chronic illness can affect our sexual response? Yes. Chronic illness certainly affects the sexual response. What's interesting is that although the physical demands of sexual activity are high, few, if any, 
chronic illnesses require restriction of sexual activity. So it really depends, I think, on the illness that the individual or the couple has. You know, couples, they may have to alter their sexual activity to accommodate, you know, physiologic or mechanical limitations. But ultimately, it affects desire and arousal. And so what happens is they tend to disrupt that area of the sexual response cycle. And then there's other different types of treatments that can affect that as well. So the common ones that I usually see the sexual dysfunctions are erectile dysfunction, of course, low desire and arousal. There may be vaginal tightness or dryness, but also dry orgasms or retrograde ejaculation and also the decrease in orgasmic intensity, especially when I see clients that have had a history of cancer or diabetes. So desire and arousal are the two main ones that I see that affect sexual response. And I think the goal is to really help the couple become sexual again and what they can do. So those are the two that I usually see. But also, I think medications used to treat chronic illness and chronic pain, they also cause an effect as well, you know, with the sexual response cycle. So treatments, like for an example, psychotropic medication will interfere with desire and arousal, and it can disrupt the orgasm. So I see that a lot. And then iatrogenic type of function. So if someone has had surgery, and they're recovering from surgery, whether that has been for cancer or some other type of surgery, a lot of times that will affect desire as well. And so that's when I really see the couple come to my office and they really want to learn how to, you know, reclaim their sexuality. Absolutely. And I, and I would imagine many of our listeners who are not even struggling with chronic illness, they can understand how challenging that must be that, that when someone have this condition and the, the kind of disruption that causing their sexuality and sexual desire, because I mean, I, I can talk about myself that if I have a headache that lasts all day, the last thing I want to think about is having sex. And I would imagine right. <laughs> if that's something that someone is having like yes. all the time is struggling and yes. there's pain. So it's understandable if they don't want to engage in sexuality. But as you mentioned, sex is really important for health of individual and couples. So it's important to mm-hmm. figure out a way to continue enjoy well, pleasure. Absolutely. And I think when you have a life restricted by pain and illness, sex can be a positive thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a way to reclaim your intimacy. It's one thing that you can have that can help you. So, you know, when I have clients that have a dynamic illness, like multiple sclerosis or fibromyalgia, where it goes into relapse and remission, when it's in remission, you know, they tell me that they're very sexual. And so that's why I think it's interesting. I think with people that have chronic illnesses, like it's always nice when sex can be planned because we know how important it is to plan sex and how it's not always spontaneous. But when the person, you know, is feeling well, that's their time to engage their partner. And so we talk about that a lot in the session and how to reclaim that and how to just have a dialogue about it, about the sexual dysfunction that's happening. And what a huge loss that can be. So I'm working with a couple that are an older adult for a while now. And one of the struggle was one of the partner have this medical illness and the loss that they're feeling because they felt like the one of the main value that they have was seeking and receiving sexual pleasure. And like they feel like that that part of the relationship is stolen from them. And the loss that comes from it, I mean, again, it's not a kind of, you cannot blame the partner struggling with the pain, but still it doesn't take away the pain the couples are feeling. 
Yeah, I think, you know, what happens is experiencing a chronic illness, it's earth shattering. It's such a loss. And I consider it a trauma, you know, depending on how serious it is. So individuals who are chronically ill, they experience quite a bit of emotional, you know, distress. So like what you were saying, you know, if they're feeling bad or they're having active symptoms, the last thing that they want to do is to have sex. And also it, it affects them with their ability to engage in occupational, social, you know, recreational activities. And it, um, and it can be limited to an impact on one's sex life. That can be devastating for some people because, you know, you may be the partner that has a higher desire and you may want to initiate it more. But when you have something like a chronic disease that comes on, you lose that. So there is this loss. And what I find is, you know, the ill partner feels overwhelmed and a lot of shame about the changes with their sexuality. And then the other partner, the healthy partner, they feel a lot of anxiety and fear and uncertainty. So that's the one word that always comes up in session is this, this uncertainty and this anxiety. And also, I love that you mentioned the disruption and uh, recreational activities, because what I notice is the more that you're enjoying life, the more that you are doing things that you enjoy. At times, I notice that increase and boost in individual's desire. For example, at times, I, I tell my clients to do some movement and activity, and that helps with them feeling more alive, therefore like having more desire. And I can imagine if that's something that you're no longer able to do, the things that you find pleasurable, that can impact your desire level as well. Absolutely. It certainly does. So one of the things that we talk about, you know, in session, yeah, you know, they come in and they're bringing about, you know, the negative thoughts and emotions that have affected them due to their illness. But we, you know, we talk about, you know, what are some things that you can do, you know, and we really take emphasis into that when it comes to, you know, communicating with their partner, you know, that's one of the things that I really work with the couple about is that there's these emotional ruptures that happen in the partnership due to the illness or due to pain that really separates them. And I think sometimes I have to help bring them closer together to talk about their sexual communication. Another thing that's really important is to also talk about what was their sex life like prior to an illness, you know, were there issues there? And I think sometimes if there were some sexual issues, um, that can be added on to a, another layer of a problem to have to work through. I think such an important point. And also, I wanted to understand a little bit more about how prevalent it is. You mentioned that there is this huge number, like subpopulation in the United States that are struggling with chronic illness and medical illnesses. Can you tell us how common is among that population the struggles with sexual dysfunction? You know, a lot of the research is, is suggesting that about 43% uh, of women and 31% of men report some degree of sexual activity. And I think that happens sometimes because it's not talked about. You know, with sex, we still live in a culture where it can be shamed, it's taboo, it's embarrassing. Uh, they may not want to, but when I have a couple comes in and I say, well, I do sex therapy, I'm a sex therapist, they're like, okay, well, that's an added bonus. <laughs> right, <laughs> we, can, we can talk about these other issues that are going on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we know that there's folks, folks that come in with depression, anxiety. And one of the things that's interesting is, is, you know, when couples come in, they always talk about that they have 
communication issues. And we're like, okay. And then we dig a little deeper and we find out there's a lot of sexual issues of concern because, you know, we have these big two sets of needs. We have our emotional needs and then we have our sexual and our erotic needs. And I think sometimes people don't report it. They may report the other things that they can't do. Well, I can't walk to the store anymore, or I can't do some of the social events. I tend to isolate. And then when I, you know, when we start talking about sex, they're like, okay, well, I have orgasm disorder. I've got a desire problem and I have an arousal problem. And that's just what I see. But, you know, it's really nice when I can say that I do sex therapy because it's like, okay, well, I can open up more. I can really let you know some of the other things because we really identify with sexuality. And when that's taken from you, gosh, you know, it's, it's a big chunk of a loss. Absolutely. And I think the other important thing that you were talking about a few minutes ago about how there, there are possibly that some challenges that people had before. And I can imagine struggling with chronic illness can magnify those sexual dysfunctions. And that can also make it worse. And on top of that, all the stressors of all of the stressors of the kind of pain and providing care and receiving care and all of that, that can make things also convoluted. So I, and I know that you you talked, you listed a number of things that you notice with desire and arousal, arousal challenges and erectile dysfunction and retrograde ejaculation. Tell us a little bit about retrograde ejaculation because we haven't talked about it in our episodes. Sure. Well, what tends to happen with that, it's usually a lot of times someone with diabetes can have that. But to give you an example of what can happen, so let's say for a surgical treatment, such as a transurethral prosectomy, which is used for treating urinary problems due to an enlarged prostate. So if someone has had an issue with prostate cancer, that can come up. And so that can interfere with arousal and orgasm by disrupting, um, you know, delicate sympathetic and parasympathetic pathways in the body that deals with the nervous system. So a common and long-term effect of any type of prostate surgery is the release of semen during ejaculation into the bladder rather than out of the penis. So it's a dry orgasm. And also that's what's also known as the, is the retrograde and dry orgasm. It's not harmful and it generally doesn't affect sexual pleasure, but to some it may. That also happens with diabetes. It tends to happen a dry orgasm of it going into the bladder, rather the penis. So that's an issue that comes up. And I have a lot of men that come into therapy that have so much just loss from that. You know, they're not able to achieve that orgasm any longer. And it's having to work through those emotions. And a lot of my work, I think a lot of the work in chronic pain and chronic illness is really supportive therapy. Absolutely. And, and I, that can be, I don't want it to people think that that means that you have to accept it in as a way of kind of like a passive resignation. This can be an active stand and that can change their relationship that they have with their sexuality and with their partner. So I'm sure we, we get to talk about it more. But so one, one of the challenges that I see is that at times my clients coming in and saying that, you know, like they feel minimized by a physician, they feel minimized by the treatment team. When they talk about their sexual difficulties, when you were telling us about 43% and 31% statistic, I was thinking to myself, probably that's even under, under, uh, kind of undermined, or it's not kind of reflective of what's going on because people are not talking about it. Right, right. And, you know, I have a lot of people, you know, 
the thing is, is that I try to communicate with their doctors as well. It's like a umbrella of treatment providers that come in here. And one of the things that I help folks with is really to help navigate their communication with their doctor. They don't know what, what questions to ask. They're so confused. They come in and they complain sometimes, you know, not trying to down the medical community. I mean, there are an amazing medical providers that I work with, but sometimes they don't feel heard by their doctor and their doctor's appointments are so quick. They get 15 minutes with the physician. And so they have questions and concerns and they come in here really feeling that loss and really feeling broken. So one of the things that we do is that we work on some things like an action plan on how to talk to your medical provider because it is such a loss. I find that that really helps them. That gives them that motivation and that support. And, and, it, and you're right. It's not to just say, okay, this is the issue and you've got to deal with it. Eventually, I think it's learning how to accept it, which I think is very powerful. But I think that it's really having the communication with your provider. And I think that's the beauty of psychotherapy and sex therapy is that we hold a safe space for them to really share their emotions. And I'm glad that you're doing these role plays because I certainly do that with my clients and teaching them communication skills around asserting, kind of like talking and talking about their sexual needs. Because what happens, you're right, I don't think like the medical community are, or like physicians are these evil people that don't care about people's sexuality. But I think most of the clients, at least that I see, they have some degree of shame and guilt around kind of like sexuality to start with. And now they are in this chronic illness. And if they're getting treatment, they're so thankful that they get some management of their health. So they feel it's like it's feeling like too much if I'm asking about what can I do about my sexuality or kind of asking about like, can you change my medication? Because if my medication has these side effects. Right. And I think there's just that embarrassing piece. You know, it's embarrassing to have to talk about sexual dysfunction. And there's so much shame there that they don't say anything. And it's, it's tucked in, it's tucked in. So one of the things you know that we do is psychotherapists and sex therapists and psychologists is that we, we work on that. We unpack that. It's like a layer and layer. And so we tend to unpack it. I always think of it like an onion. And we're kind of like peeling back the layers of it to really get them to a place where they can learn to accept their illness. And that takes quite a while. And it really depends on the individual and the couple if they can do that. You know, sexuality in a relationship, it involves a wide mix of feelings and emotions. And when both the individual and their partner are together battling disease, the future of their intimate lives, it becomes uncertain. And both partners feel that loss. And so again, you know, the, the ill partner is feeling the shame and the healthy partner is feeling the anxiety and the worry, and both partners are plagued with anxiety due to the worry around the reduced sexual activity and the changes in desire and arousal caused by the illness. So I think having them come in and just kind of unpack the feelings and the thoughts and the emotions around it can really be helpful because the other thing that I notice is that the healthy partner becomes a caregiver and I think the ill partner starts to feel burdened by that. And so we talk about, well, you know, how can you be a helpful caregiver, but how can you be a partner? And one of the things that I really help the couple discover is the new normal of their partnership. You know, that acceptance piece too, and we can get into that in a few minutes, but I think that that's really key. But that happens after the shame 
is being, you know, discussed and it's being brought to the surface. And I think before you can get to acceptance, we have to work on the feelings that are underneath acceptance. Yes, yes. And I think that's, that can be a very powerful transformative tool on its own, kind of like bringing this kind of, under, kind of underlying emotions into the room and having this conversation with, with couples about it because it's not... So I think it's a different dynamic when we have couples that they have discrepancy and desire and they are both healthy. Because like the other partner could, might feel like, okay, uh, if he or she wants it, she's able to have more, more sex with me. But with clients with medical illnesses, at times that might not even be a kind of reality based on their physiological health. So I know you already gave us tons of great advice on, for the couples on what to do, but what are some of other recommendations that you have for couples that they want to regain this kind of sense of sexual, normal sexual activities that they have? Have, but they don't know what to do. Right. So some of the tips that I really recommend that I recommend to other sex therapists and therapists, but also that I do is really get the couple to where they can communicate their needs to their partner and have them communicate their needs. So they do that in a safe space because when they're at home, they don't know how to approach that. And so I tend to do a lot of that in the session and help them problem solve together and make it a team approach. So if they can get to a point where they're at acceptance, instead of it being my illness, it's our illness. Mm -hmm. And how are we going to work with it? And I think it's learning how to work with the illness and learning how to live well with it. And to state their emotional needs with each other in the, sex, in the sexual intimacy um, and the other factors in the relationship. I definitely recommend couples therapy. And I would say have them see a sex therapist. Um, and I say this because sex therapists have the knowledge and the skill set in helping the partners with their sexual problems, um, such as the issues related to their sexual functioning with the sexual dysfunction and desire and arousal issues. I also think if they can get to a place, it's critical to read up on the condition and share it with the partner and having the knowledge with it to talk about it. Because I think when you can build that, that's going to promote intimacy in the relationship and hopefully that intimacy it can build to create sexual intimacy and checking in with each other that's something else that we talk about uh, for the partner that doesn't have an illness watch for depression in them and keep an eye on them and their health the goal is to be a lover not a caregiver but we find at times the partner may take on this role and they the healthy partner may want to seek individual counseling because it can put a quite a bit of stress on them as well and then again I always go back to the acceptance piece because it's so critical. So acknowledging the loss and building a relationship with the illness. So finding the new normal. So what are the things that we can do with the illness? How can we reclaim our life back? And I think it all depends, you know, I think at its heart, sex is about communication. And so being able to at least talk about it. And I think that is critical. And to look at the stress that happens with it. I don't think it's a great idea to avoid stress. I think avoidance can make the pain worse, especially if there's a flare-up. And I see this a lot with my clients that have a disease like fibromyalgia or multiple sclerosis. So really being able to try to be in a, in a stress-free zone as much as possible. And I know sometimes that can be impossible, but it's always nice when that can happen. And also, what's in your sexual repertoire? What can you do? I mean, you may need to change positions. You may need to change the temperature of the room because sometimes if a room is too hot, it can cause spasticity 
um, with someone with multiple sclerosis. So talking about that, you really have to to change a lot of the things that was in the prior sexual repertoire of things. And I'm glad you're talking about the concept of new normal and talking about kind of psychological flexibility because sometimes people coming into me, coming to me and with this new condition or health condition and saying that I want the sex to be like the way it was before the illness. So like doing certain things we were doing and may or may not be possible, but it doesn't mean that you can incorporate other things that could be possibly as pleasurable or could be open the door to many other erotic things that you can incorporate in the relationship. Absolutely. You know, I have a lot of people that come in and they, prior to the onset of the illness, you know, they were having great sex. They really enjoyed their sex with each other, but now it's having to try different things. And as you know, penetration is one form of sex. So doing something different, you know, what's in the tool bag? What can you take out? You know, I have a couple right now and they, they can no longer have the penetrative sex that they wanted to have. So they engage in mutual masturbation. They use toys, they get creative now. And I think the whole goal is to get creative with sex. And you know, That's what I love about sex therapy is that when something doesn't work, we try this, right? We try many different things and it's helping the couple find that. And that's what I love about doing sex therapy. And when I find that they're able to have a different type of sex and they like it, it really, I like to see what it does to their emotional bonding. Right. And I, and I share with you the, about the, I share with you the passion for creativity because I feel like lots of suffering comes from the rigidity that people have around sex. And like, again, even the couples that are healthy, having same kind of like position, same kind of sexual behavior is what happens that leads to boredom and like having a mediocre sex. So this can provide this opportunity that's uh, in a way encourage people to explore other things that are adventurous and different and it could kind of spice things up. Absolutely. I actually, I've had couples open their relationship up. You know, I've, I've had couples where I can no longer provide you with the passion that you want. So let's open our relationship up and invite someone in. I've had couples do that. I've had couples that have never experienced sex toys before. And then they finally were able to experience with sex toys and really enjoyed that. Or they were able to do you know, just different touching, you know, sensate focus is Mm -hmm. amazing for this. Having couples explore their bodies, doing mindful touching, I think can be very helpful, which I use a lot of in session, not just with people with chronic illness, but you know, with people that have, you know, desire, arousal problems, other sexual dysfunction. I think it, I think just the mindful touching can be extremely powerful in the type of work that we do. You're right, right. And I think at times what happens is people are, as I, as I shared before, that they get into this kind of routine, like having this routine sex, and they're not showing up for what's going on in the moment. So the mindfulness element is not present. And that's why we're like in the middle of the sex. And again, I'm sure many people are guilty of that. And I am guilty of that at times. You get completely distracted doing the grocery oh, yeah. list. Yeah. So <laughs> it's important to kind of practice being, showing up. <laughs> the grocery list, yeah. Or, you know, the whole idea of specta- spectatoring. You know, am I really pleasing my partner? Let me, you're so much inside of your head and you're almost stepping out of your body and you're a spectator. And it's like, am I really 
pleasing my partner. And if you've got an illness or a chronic pain condition, it's like, wow, am I really going to be able to please my partner now? So there's that piece too, that I think we really have to work with. But no, I think creativity is the answer. And that's one thing that I love writing about because, you know, we always, I think a lot of times when folks come into therapy, you know, there is something negative that brings them in, right? There's this issue. But sometimes we have to focus on, well, what do you have great going for you? What's great about the sex that you have? Is that something that you can continue to do with each other? Let me help you get creative. And it really helps them, you know? And I love it when they'll read some literature on it too. Like I'll, you know, like I had a client one time, she never really knew much about her vulva and she had a chronic pain condition. And I recommended Come As You Are by Emily Nagowski. And she like loved it. She was like, oh my gosh, I know what my clitoris looks like. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's a head of care, uh, I'm sure, compared to many women. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it just amazing. It, it's just, it's so great when you know, an individual that has chronic pain or illness can really reclaim their sexuality and say, you know what? I can live with this. I always love it. I had a client one time, she looked at me and she said, you know, Dr. Phillips, I may have multiple sclerosis, but I am not my illness. Mentally, I am not my illness. It may be, it may be in my body and I'm having to give into a body that has issues, but I am not my illness. And I just thought that was so powerful. I was mm -hmm. like, wow, you know, of course it took her a long time to get there, but it was, it was wonderful. Right. And it talks about the kind of like it shows the acceptance piece and how powerful that can be that she chose to be kind of like accept that part of herself, but also seeing everything else that's kind of like make her the person that she is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think when people start to accept things. I'm really big into acceptance and commitment therapy. I think it's amazing for chronic illness. And they're able to do that and diffuse their thoughts. They're able to see so many of their other talents. They're able to, to come alive and, and have a new normal of their life, whether they have an illness or pain or not. It's an amazing type of therapy to use. And I'm starting to see a lot of it now in the chronic pain world. And I'm going to be talking about that in Chicago when I speak at the National Sexual Health Conference on that because it's so important. I love acceptance and commitment therapy and I, and I think can be very helpful for addressing the sexual health challenges, but also the chronic health piece and kind of helping people to see acceptance from a different lens and also kind of like kind of diffusing from what's going on, the, the thought that's connect, so connected to chronic pain thought that are so connected to who they are. But I also want to make sure that people are know how to get access to you. I know we're toward the end of our time and I know you have a wonderful thriving private practice and you have this speaking engagements that you mentioned. Tell us where can, where can our listeners get a hold of you? You can reach me at my, my personal website, which is www.drphillips.com, or you can uh, email me at drphillips at gmail.com, and I'm on Instagram at Dr. Lee Phillips, and also on Facebook at Dr. Lee Phillips. You can also reach me there, and I'm always posting about my book that I'm writing, which is called Sex and Love When You're Sick. It is in the proposal stages at this time. I'm almost finished with the proposal. I'm very excited about it. 
And I'm going to be talking a lot about the science and mystery behind chronic illness. And I'm also going to talk about the psychological factors associated with chronic illness and the intersection of chronic illness and sex. And I'm going to talk about acceptance and shame. The book is designed like an arc. So it starts with problem and we talk about how to get how to reclaim your sex and how to have emotional bonding with your partner so it's been a very exciting project so oh i'm excited to read it i hope the proposal goes well and we'll be able to read the book and yes and i'm sure we we will hear from you as i mean as a sex therapist i will hear from your great work in the near future and please let us know if we can how can we support the book and when it's live let us know so we can share with our listeners Dr. Phillips, thank you so much for your time. This was lovely. Thank you. It was great joining you. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Phillips. It's wonderful to hear that there are treatments and solutions that you can apply to yourself and your sex life today that can change things around. Uh, Sometimes I feel like my clients I was mentioning during the episode feel devastated and they feel that they will no longer be able to have a fulfilling sex life, which is not accurate. You just need to get the right support and also a wanting to change things around. And hopefully you'll be able to have a possibly a different kind of a sex life, but it doesn't mean that different means unsatisfying or not good enough. Sometimes as I was sharing with my with you guys earlier that I, I work with chronic pain clients. So chronic pain clients are clients who are struggling with their uh, pain condition at least six months or longer. And these are the clients that they feel devastated because this is not something that they feel it can get resolved quickly. And that's a struggle they have daily. It's so common. I know Dr. Felix told us a little bit of a statistic around medical illnesses, but in the chronic pain world, it seems like in Western countries, 10 to 55% of uh, general population are struggling with it, which is a huge number. I was looking at a research on it. And approximately 7 million Americans report chronic pain with 10% having pain for more than 100 days per year. These are significant numbers, and it shows us how how pervasive this issue is. So if you or your partner struggling with chronic pain, you're not alone. And B, I guess that was A, and B, there's help out there. So you can work with a sex therapist that can help you with resolving this issue. Anyhow, I at the end, I wanted to remind you guys that I really, really appreciate it when you leave us an honest review in iTunes or Stitchers or any other platform that you use. It helps us to reach a broader audience. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.